Hey, welcome to Scott Jones. This is Athlete on Fire, and uh, this is not a normal episode. This was actually recorded at OR Outdoor Retailer in Salt Lake City on January 21st, 2015. Uh, Molly Busby was the guest. She stopped by the Soul Booth, who I was doing some interviewing of athletes for, and we just sat down and kind of talked about her journey. She has a website, twosticksintheboard.com, and I really enjoyed the interview. So there is some ambient noise. We're, we're in a packed straight trade show, thousands of people everywhere. Uh, so the audio is going to be a little different. But I think you guys will enjoy our story. And uh, give me some feedback. If you, if you like this type of guest and want to hear about other people just writing about their experiences and, and really trying to do some cool things, let me know. I thought it was a, a great show, though. Um, you guys can find out more if, if you're new to the to the podcast, new to the show. Go to athleteonfire.com, and uh, there's a little podcast link right there. You can figure it out. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, once again, Scott Jones, your host, and enjoy Molly. She's a great guest. How you doing? Nice Scott to see Jones. you. Yeah. Molly Busby. Yes. I, I had to do the cheesy intro just to, to let people know. Yeah. So uh, you were just telling me a little bit about how you guys got done. We were sitting here really quick. We're at the, uh, the Soul booth here at OR. I'm looking at like huge logos flying everywhere. I'm, I'm like triple anal. I have like Mike, Mike, Mike. I want to catch all of this. Yeah, all that's Actually, awesome. Speaking of anal. Oh, there we go. Um, I'm unclipping my mic. I will reach a bit. Okay. There so you made the trek and you got pretty much ripped off on the flight down. Yes. Yeah. It's a super. So we live in Whitefish, Montana. Um, we moved up there about a year and a half ago, and we used to live down here, so we were super spoiled. It's not like you can get direct flights everywhere, and it was awesome. We came to Boar twice a year, um, and now we try to combine it with other work trips. And um, yeah, so I'm I'm here solo. I'm the two sticks part of two sticks and board. <laughs> so two sticks and a board.com. Yep. Awesome website. I told you it's gonna act like I never Thank checked you. it out because I wanted to be. I want to really dive into what yeah. you guys are doing. Um, okay. This square right here is Montana. Yes. Roughly. Yeah, roughly. Glacier? Um, yep, Glacier. We're 20 minutes from Glacier National Park. So you're that close to Glacier. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the most amazing place in the country. Um, and we actually, Sean and I um, took a road trip there when we lived here. In, we lived in Utah for a short time. I'm from the Midwest. He's from um, California originally. And we were living um, in Utah, and we took a road trip to Montana. He had always wanted to. It was like a childhood dream. We landed in Whitefish, and we both looked at each other, and we were like, this is it. This is where we're going to raise a family. These people, these are our people. And so like-minded people, I mean, local shops, local breweries, local, there's amazing mountain there, um, amazing backcountry access. And so it was just perfect. Okay, so how long have you been married? So we got married in 2011, in September. Um, So I guess that makes us three years. Three years, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so how did you guys meet us? I mean, yeah. half your sight is you guys. Yeah, so you story. totally. So our story, um, our story starts in 2010. Um, Sean was living out here in Utah. He had gone to the University of Utah, finished up his uh, degree there, and um, so backing up just slightly. So Sean um, lives with an autoimmune disease called T1D, and um, it has no cure. It basically means your pancreas, the 
our organ that produces insulin, a life-saving hormone, it's broken and it doesn't work. And so every single day he's checking his blood sugar, managing his insulin levels manually with an insulin pump. Um, and so again, like no cure for this disease. And so he was diagnosed when he was 19 years old. Um, professional snowboarder still is, um, but he was competing and gunning for the 2010 Olympics at that time um, and went through this crazy diagnosis and um, really was looking for inspiration, um, looking for something that would show him that he could still continue snowboarding um, with this because, you know, things like altitude, humidity, and climate, those all affect your blood sugar and those all affect how your body is reacting to food and exercise and, and all those things. So he actually um, ended up finding these stories of kids living with T1D and was so inspired that he was like, wow, if a five-year-old could do it, if a seven-year-old could do this, then surely I can. Um, and he wanted to give back to those kids, and so he started Riding on Insulin. Um, it's a, Now it's a nonprofit, but at the time he just called it Riding on Insulin, and he said, hey, if you put on a camp, I'll show up and teach some kids how to snowboard. That's what I love to do, and I want to give back to them, and also meet new people and learn from them um, how to manage it. So he started it back then, did it for a few years, and he... I swear this story is getting someplace. I told no, you it was no, complicated. No, okay. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm happy to listen. So, uh, so he was doing these camps. Um, people would set them up all over the country. And there was this woman in Wisconsin who, um, her name is Michelle, and her son Jesse um, loves snowboarding. And he was like Sean's little brother that he never had. And so Sean would always do camps in Wisconsin for Jesse and his friends. Um, and so flash forward a little bit. Sean kind of got out uh, well he got out of competitions he was doing border cross and um, GS racing um, and really got turned on to the backcountry um, and was invited by some amazing backcountry skiers and snowboarders to go down to Antarctica for an expedition and so um, that's actually when he started working with Seoul um, and so he went down there and really got into that side of the sport and then also was finishing up his degree um, in health promotion and education at the University of Utah. So he was doing this and riding on his thing kind of took a back seat. Um, he got a great job out here in Utah um, running um, a snowboard or a ski and snowboard program for a college prep boarding school um, and he was doing that full time and so I meanwhile was living in Wisconsin um, I went to UW-Madison um, was a journalism major and uh, I was working at a women's magazine I was a style editor um, so my whole life was fashion like style yeah like style style no I was I did writing and fashion and all sorts of stuff so um, my Michelle, Jesse's mom, was my colleague, and so she ran the events there, and we were really close friends, and she would always talk about this pro snowboarder that she knew. <laughs> Nobody had ever met Sean, but, like, she would talk about him all the time, because he and Jesse were really close, and so... Um, um, sadly, in 2010, Jesse, who also had T1D, passed away. Um, it was totally out of the blue. He had great control. Um, they don't actually really know what happened, um, but he was 13. Um, and so, obviously, as a close friend of Michelle's, I was there. Um, and Sean came out and delivered the eulogy. And so we met at Jesse's funeral, physically at, that, at the church uh, that day. And Michelle introduced us. And the rest is, like, seriously history. Um, we fell in love. I was like, okay, I'll move out west for you. Um, and I left my job. And 
Um, then, meanwhile, he had promised at Jesse's funeral to restart riding on insulin. That was something that Jesse loved and that Sean had stopped doing. Um, and he was like, no, I got to get back into this. And so, probably about eight months after um, we met and I had moved out to Utah, and my whole family was like, what the heck? Like, why are you moving to Utah? Um, I kind of, uh, well, I just asked him. I was like, what about that riding on insulin? Like, you promised people, like, what? what's the deal? And he was like, I don't know. And I was like, well, let's try to do a camp. So we had some interest from some folks up here in Salt Lake, and we did our first camp um, together along with another organization out here um, up at Canyons. And it was awesome. Like, I got to see it in action. I was learning so much um, because I, my, I have no experience with autoimmune diseases. My family... I mean, we're just a normal family, and so meeting Sean, I had to learn a lot. Um, and so we just decided, wow, this is really cool. And I was like, we should start a nonprofit. Like most people who start a nonprofit have no nonprofit experience. I mean, a little bit of business experience, um, but I had a lot of common sense, and I think that's that's what got me through. And um, started it, and we went from having four camps a year, um, and you know, three in the U.S., one in New Zealand, um, and then now we have 20 programs a year in the U.S., Canada, and New Zealand. And we've hosted programs in Australia, um, and yeah, so. That's that side. Well, honestly, that's a great background, too. Like, yeah. How you met is how you're here, too. Totally. So and so I run the nonprofit full-time. I'm the executive director. It's myself. And actually, if you remember Michelle from the story, she's my other full-time employee, yeah. which is awesome because um, we're just honoring Jesse every day. Right. Um, and then Sean um, still is riding full-time. Um, we do X. And so this is the two sticks and a board side. Um, so we have our website. And it's kind of the hub for my writing. Yeah. Obviously, I'm the writer. Um, Sean writes a little bit, but he's the Instagrammer, um, and obviously the snowboarder. He's extremely talented. He's an amazing coach, um, and we've done. He's now backcountry snowboarded all seven continents, um, and so almost all seven continents twice. Even we just ha- would have to go back to Africa again. So um, he's amazingly talented. So we just kind of joined forces, and I don't know where. I think two sticks and a board. I think his dad, his dad's speech at our wedding. He told this fairy tale and it, this princess with the two sticks and the prince with his board. It was so funny but we were like oh we love it. Where'd you get, did you get married here? Or back we got married in Wisconsin. Okay. That's where I'm from so um, that was kind of the trade off. I was like I moved out west so Okay a couple things. Um, uh, T1D Yeah. How is it different or is it different than diet, like general diabetes? Like? Yeah so the, the difference so there's two types of diabetes that we know. Most people just know what most people call diabetes. And in 99% of the cases, people are talking about type 2 diabetes, um, which type 2 diabetes, in a great majority of the cases, you can get rid of your type 2 diabetes by eating healthy lifestyle changes. Um, You know, there are some types of type 2 diabetes that you don't cause, that it's genetic or whatever. Type 1 diabetes, and the reason I don't even call it that, and and this is a great learning point, is people really confuse the two, and they think, oh, you know, Sean, he did this to himself, he, you know, eats too much sugar. People really think these things. Well, and and I think that, well, for type 1, too, it's it's a lot more rare to get an onset that way in life. Yeah. It's crazy. I have a client right now who was not diagnosed until uh, until he was 32. Yep. And we have a ton of friends. Obviously, we know a lot of people through riding on insulin. Um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, it's it's becoming more common. 
Um, but yeah, type 1 diabetes, like if Sean were here, he would go. It's basically a different disease. Um, both involve the pancreas, um, so I think that's the diabetes common factor, but type 1, there's no cure. And you can't, once it, it can hit you at any time. Like we have this, this rad little kid that lives in Whitefish. He's, um, <laughs> I'm laughing because he's so cute. He's five and he was the youngest kid to be diagnosed in our valley. Um, and he's just, they just have so much life and these kids are amazing. And then, and then we get a lot of adults like Sean who were diagnosed at 19 or 34. I heard, I've heard of people diagnosed like in their forties and fifties and it basically shows up whenever it wants to. And you got to make massive changes to how you operate your daily life. So as a wife of somebody who has type 1, uh, what's the biggest challenge for you? Um, I think spouses of nutrition. T1D, um, it's not nutrition. Um, you know, we we eat really healthy and um, we make smart choices, but the, the cool thing, and I think the thing a lot of people have misconceptions about, you know, type 2 you definitely have to watch what you eat. And you got to, like, you know, you definitely want to eat lower glycemic index foods. And I'm not too well-versed in it. But type 1, essentially you can eat whatever you want. Um, you're just like a normal person. We all want to eat healthy, eat greens and whatever. And um, But as long as you're giving insulin for the carbs that you're eating, so um, carbs, sugar, whatever, um, then you're fine and you can get by. So, um, yeah, the biggest challenge um, is definitely, <laughs> I think if anybody is seeing this that lives with someone like this, they're going to know. When you have a low blood sugar um, or even a high blood sugar, the symptoms can be somewhat like um, irritability is a big one. <laughs> so, you know, when, when I'm high, like, my wife's yeah. somewhere, she's like, that dude's a freaking yeah. psycho. <laughs> you don't want to deal with it. And so, you know, we'll be talking and he'll be like, he'll start flying off the handle like, what are you talking? And I'm, I have to separate that and be like, wait a minute, this is not you. This is your dead pancreas talking, like, what's going on? So just separating that and having, it's awesome. You know, Sean and I, we're a pretty good team, and so when I say, like, why don't you check your blood sugar? Like, what's going on? How does he check? Does he have a, does he have a sensor? Or is he blood yeah, so he, um, he does use a sensor. He uses um, a Dexcom continuous glucose monitor, um, and he also uses um, the Omnipod insulin pump, which is a tubeless insulin pump. Okay. So a lot of people are probably familiar with tubing, um, you know, tubing insulin pump. It sticks in your side or wherever you have it, and then you have this, like, little you know, remote control and you can see the insulin going in. So his is actually a pod. Um, it, every three days he changes it so he'll wear it either on his arm or on his belly or back or wherever. Um, and he fills it with insulin enough for three days and then after three days um, you can dispose of them or recycle them. And well, has he ever, um, I, I know people have not woke up in the morning, it's scary. Yeah, it's, um, it's super scary. Uh, you know, I think all you can do is be really smart, like like Jesse. I mean, that's a prime example. People die from this, and that's one of the things that, you know, I think makes it hard about diabetes where, you know, you definitely, everybody has a story about cancer, um, and there are so many types of cancer, and, I mean, that's that's a big deal. Yeah. Diabetes, people see, and, and this is riding on insulin. We're showing kids out there living life, being amazing, but at the end of the day, like, this is still an extremely dangerous disease, and, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, you know, being an adult is one thing and being in charge of yourself, but having a kid with diabetes, I mean, we don't have any kids. We have two beautiful dogs. Um, that's enough <laughs> right now. And, um, you know, that's it. 
I just I think about the parents a lot and you know trying to get control of something that they literally have no control over. So we're gonna dive into the athletic. Yeah, yeah. Athletic on fire. We'll, we'll do that in a second. But a couple more questions based on, on lifestyle. So mm-hmm. you guys live in Mon- Montana. Yeah. <laughs> you live in a yogurt. Yurt. Oh, sorry. that's so cheesy. I had yeah. to do it though. No, um, but we. Honestly, I grew up in Florida. Nobody. Knows right. What nobody else. Yeah. Like, nobody I, knows what a yurt is. We get urt. Even still. We get urt a lot. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, people in the industry kind of like, you know, anybody who's been like cat skiing or whatever, you're going to know what a yurt is. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah we, um, when we moved to Whitefish, we were working with a realtor and we found that this smoking deal on this bank owned property, 10 acres, two miles outside of town with a house. But the house was on a piece of the property that didn't, has okay views. But the top of our property has like these epic views that look right into Glacier National Park, like all across. You can see Flathead Lake, Whitefish Lake, a little bit of the mountain, like, um, and then Glacier National Park, just bam, right there. And so we were like, well, we looked into dragging electric up there, sewer, well, all that. I mean, that's like a hundred, at least a hundred grand right there. And we were like, we were, we just bought a house, so we weren't really in the mood to like drop that kind of cash and. Um, Sean was looking into, we both, we like the, you know, the tiny house movement, sustainable movement. And we were like, well, what can we do realistically? Like no building experience. Like Sean never even took wood shop. I mean, (laughs) in SoCal, they don't teach you things like that. (laughs) So, um, we were like, oh, well, we'll just do a yurt. And he was searching on yurtform.com. Yeah, yurtform.com. These things happen. And so he was looking, this woman 15 miles from where we live had a yurt was selling it needed help taking it down and we were like we literally were the first people to look at it and we were like here's our check we're buying it and it was such a good deal it had everything we wanted what does a freaking yurt cost that's a great question so it really depends on the size so i can only comment um shelter designs yurts and they're a company based out of now out of missoula amazing company to work with we really did research well i say we i mean sean he's the researcher he did research into pacific yards colorado yards and shelter designs and we were like man we'd really like to keep it local um and so we were actually going to go with shelter designs if we hadn't found this used one from shelter designs um but like for a for a smaller year they can range anywhere from like seven thousand and maybe these are wrong go to their website and check it out but like seven to ten thousand dollars on the low end i mean up to i mean you can spend like forty fifty thousand dollars on it but shoot you you have a good view you don't want to do a traditional build out it's such a pain in the butt totally totally so we just um, our yurt is a 30-foot yurt, so that means 30-foot diameter. So there's seven, 700 square feet on the main floor, and then there's a loft, which adds 300. These bad boys, just, we're not going to talk about every detail of your You can go to the site. Yes, totally. They're, they're circular. They're circular. loft. Yep, we have a loft. Um, there's a bathroom, a bedroom, a kitchen. Um, we have do you do like a pie chart? Like, is that how you break it up? <laughs> yeah, basically. Kinda? It's kind of like a pie chart. Like, I would say, like, you know, a, a quarter is the bathroom, maybe a little bit more than a quarter is the bedroom. And then the rest is the living room, kitchen, and do you do you divide? Yeah, there's dividers. There's literally walls and pocket doors, and um, the the woman we bought it from super efficient with her space. And yeah, she yeah. did everything right. She go live in the year for a few days. Actually, you can probably I have do access, that. I have, there's lots of years. Yeah, there's <laughs> lots of years, and it's a it's a movement we really wanted to be part of, and it's totally off grid. So what are okay? Give, give me some resources for people who don't know what a year it is or tiny yeah. tiny home movement like. Some websites, maybe? That- yeah, so Shelter Designs, actually, um, I think it's um, 
shelter designs if you google them um they're out of missoula they actually do a bunch of videos um which are awesome like what is a year i think they actually have that yeah. video and um it's the owner uh the owner's talking about you know what it is why you would want to live in it what the benefits are what the costs are they actually have a year a calculator on there so you can say here's the size of yurt i want i want this you know i want real windows or canvas windows or whatever you choose everything and they tell you how much it costs right there um and so in other things like off-grid we um, work with goal zero and so um, we use their yeti yeti 1250 generators um and we actually have three of them now um and four boulder 90 panels outside feeding into that yep and so that's what powers all of our electric um we have a composting toilet uh, and so I'd recommend people just <laughs> go go to YouTube, that. go to YouTube, and like start watching some videos. It's not as scary as it sounds. Yeah, um, oh, so cool. Yeah. All right, so there's that piece, and then mm-hmm. two sticks on the board. You guys are athletes too. Yeah, definitely. So, so did one of you try to get the other one to do the other? So Sean, I mean Sean was a a pro, a pro snowboarder when I met him. So I was like, man, I should probably start like skiing again. And we laugh. We were talking about this earlier. I was such a gaper when I met him. Like I, and I can say that now. But at the time, I was like, I'm a really good skier. I can do this. But literally, and, and for the record, living in Colorado for 11 years. Anytime <laughs> I met my wife, uh, the highest chairlift in North America, yeah. both snowboarders, we dropped the harness like five minutes every night. Oh my gosh! So that being said, yeah. Anytime somebody tells you they're really good at skiing, skiing snowboarding, if you guys don't know this, they're usually not. They're it's usually, usually not. It's usually like a, a blue maybe. <laughs> totally. Maybe they'll go over near the trees every once in a yeah. while. They're so. like, I could do a black diamond, and like, you know, anybody from the Midwest knows. Yeah, like, that. you could do a, <laughs> I can do a black diamond. Um, no, but we, um, he's actually, he's definitely spurred a love for skiing for me, and I think now we're, now we're at a point where I've gotten to, I've gotten to a good spot for us, and, yeah. um, and on a, like, I've developed a love for the powder day, which I think that's kind of a true mark of a skier, is like, yeah. Instead of going out on a powder day and like crying, which you know, <laughs> hey, been there. First um, day powder. Yeah, it'll make you cry. Or even like your twentieth day on powder. Like, so I think learning that and just learning to have a love for skiing and like getting getting out of bed in the morning, getting your butt up the mountain, and just having an amazing day. And yeah. it's something that we share and we love. And um, yeah, so we've been. Uh, I've been to five continents um, with Sean um, backcountry skiing, and he, I mean, he had me on a touring setup right after I moved out. So I basically learned to tour and learn to ski at the same time. Um, not the best relationship building exercise. Uh, and I've written something about like how to, how to not teach your girlfriend how to ski. Like it's super dramatic sometimes, but, um, yeah. Okay. So, um, let's have a little fun with Montana. What's your favorite, what's your favorite inbounds? Inbounds. Uh, well, Whitefish Mountain Resort. We, uh, formerly Big Mountain, uh, we... Yeah, what's the train like that? I've seen pictures, I've never been up there in the winter. It's epic. It's literally, and you know, Sean skied way more places than I have, but literally we've never found a mountain like this that we, you're riding in trees the whole time, it's really, it it improves your riding, Um, and there's so much terrain, and so much... And there's no lift lines, okay? So that's, like, the most important. Like, we get so many Canadians that come down from, like, Lake Louise or, or Sunshine or wherever. And it's it's wild, the lift lines. And we've been up there, and we've been to Colorado, and you just don't deal with that in Montana. Okay, favorite backcountry in Montana? Uh, in Montana. Well, I don't know. Like, touring up, um, like, in the North Fork area, if yeah. people, know, people who know Montana know, like, 
Toll Bridge. Um, it's this off-grid community up the North Fork. Um, and the touring around there, like, we, when we look for backcountry, like, it's not really, sure, it's about summiting, it's about getting a really awesome descent, but really, we took a trip to Kyrgyzstan a couple years ago, and really helped us realize that the touring and the backcountry access, it's not always about the skiing, it's really about the experience, and, like, the people you're meeting, and the people you're with, and the scenery, and, like, just being in nature. Yeah, it's not like you're getting you're not getting descent. You're getting one descent if you're doing one tour, or maybe you're doing a couple laps or whatever. But really, it's not the place to work on your skills. It's the place to just be and be out of out of range. And I think that's the best. So Davenport, what do you think about him? He's rad. He's a beast. He's a super beast. Yeah. <laughs> no, we talk about. I know. Obviously, Sean. These are guys that Sean definitely looks up to, and yeah. um, I think it's amazing, you know, that Soul works with all these folks and does what they do with the footbeds and giving back, and yeah, yeah it's, cool. it's yeah, it's my CEOs that learn computer. This place is cool. <laughs> yeah. This lunchtime is really. This is actually a good time to interview. Yeah, uh, it's a little quieter, but uh, totally. He's giving me numbers for the charities that they support through this app. So like, Dean's uh, Carter's kids. Davenport has his charity that he's back to. Trevor has blind ambassador program. Yep. But, I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's I know. Awesome. It's it's massive, and you know, someday, you know, a dream would be to have one for riding on insulin. You know. Well, diabetes in general. Yeah, yeah. I say diabetes covering all of them. You know, yeah, yeah. circulation and foot problems is a common um, side effect or after effect. And so, yeah, maybe someday. Yeah, that's cool. So, okay, so we've talked about the past and your huh? love story, which is yes. pretty good. Your love, your love story actually was your whole story. Uh, <laughs> so you go riding on insulin. You've got the website. Yep. Um, what's moving forward, and where do you see all? You know, right on I know everybody has a training goals to make a huge, make a huge impact on yeah. the individual. So, so what about for two, two sticks on the board and just general athletic goals? Like, where do you want to go? What do you want to see next? Totally. I think um, bucket list stuff for us, um, well, for Sean, really, and both of us, going to Greenland at some point, um, knocking that off to, to ski and to see the people. Um, we really want to do return trips to Norway and Iceland, both Amazing trips. Which, um, which should we go to first? I was looking at Iceland. That's like super hard. Yeah. Um, well, you should probably do both because you can do them at different times. Like go to Iceland in the winter. Everything's super cheap. I actually just wrote an article for Huffberry.com um, okay. about Iceland in the winter, where nice. to go, where to stay, um, and then. But Norway above the Arctic Circle. Just go, we went in late April, I think. So amazing. Yeah. And you can do it cheap. You know, Norway can be expensive, but you can basically like camp anywhere you want. That's like a national there's a word for it in Norwegian. I don't know the word obviously, but um you can just it's like my land is your land type of thing. You yeah, can yeah. park and stay wherever you want and it's awesome. Oh I did that to, might um, be a favorite trip. Did you go to Bergen? No, we just went um we flew into Oslo and then flew up to Tromso and then drove up to Lingen. Yeah, yeah, way up there. And it's 24 hours of daylight. And I think in the direct future, though, I think, you know, eventually, like, eventually starting a family. Um, but in the very near future, um, we're doing our second drive to Alaska this May. Cool. Get up there and um, visit some places on the way. I mean, that drive, if you've never done it, yeah, it's man. pretty sweet. I we, mean, layered hot springs. Oh, my gosh. Dude, it's okay, amazing. Okay, so what we had layered... Uh, okay, so I'll tell you a quick story. Yeah. So, and I've told like half the whole team, it's been just a fun story. Yeah. So, like, right after we got married, we went to South Asia for two months, got back, and uh, 
like a few months before summer. So then we bought 15 passenger vans, big old baby blue 85, yeah. ugly van. Yeah. All hopped in. Uh, we went up to Glacier first. And we mm-hmm. did some backcountry stuff there for a couple days and uh, had some great moose and bear stories. Yeah, oh, And then we went. We shot the Canadian Rockies, and um, I can't remember where that these hot springs are. Yeah. It's up there. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty like, high up there. There. You just like stumble upon them. And you would never know. So no. there's like eight of us, and we're all trying to be hot shots, right? So you go on this like little pier thingy. Yeah. Oh, all, totally. It's totally um, in the middle of nowhere. And the source is like right here. Did you touch it? My brother loved it. No way. Yes. Then we t- that's what we tell people. Sean always says, and you can put rocks to how close you that's get. Exactly and what we did. Yeah, no, I didn't even get far. Hey, Lauren, how close did you get at the Laird Hot Springs where we were trying to get the rocks on the source? <laughs> The source of the oh, hot springs. Remember, Jake? <laughs> so my brother-in-law did. I, I freaking went down. I was like, "How are you doing?" Like, I thought my skin was cooking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll just turn back on. I mean, video is secondary. It's fine. Um, yeah, if you turn back on, it's good. Um, but yeah, so so he's like, cause he's his stepdad, mom lived in Alaska. Oh, right. So he'd been there. Yeah. He's like, all right, if you can get, you put a rock on here, then you win. I was like, let's go. He was the only one who did it. He came out and his, his skin was like purple. Was so oh high. my gosh. But Scary. It, it's so cool. But, so you can get like every temperature. Oh, totally. And like if you cruise down just a little bit, it's just perfect where like you just have a beer and you're just. Everybody's Everybody who there, who's there is just having the most epic day. Yeah. Because they're like, I have found the most amazing spot. Yeah, I feel scary. like we're taking this drive for Laird. Yeah. It's, like um, it's going to be like an hour of your life. I know. <laughs> I know. He's like, we're going to stay there for four days. I was like, we're not going to stay there for four days. And then, um, Jasper's really cool. Yeah. White yeah. Horse. White really Horse. Weird. I can't wait. We've been to White Horse a couple times. Um, actually, that's some great backcountry up there. Yeah. There's this cool little off-the-grid. Um, <laughs> life is cool. Um, off the grid, uh, like cabins um, up at up at Fish Lake. Yeah. Um, so beautiful, and they do like dog sledding and stuff. I would love to go dog sledding. And then Whitehorse, that's when you start going west again, right? And that's the entry yep. to the Yukon Highway. Yep. And then, um, yeah, from there, we're hoping to get to Haynes. Um, yeah. We've never been to Haynes. We've never been to Juneau. Those are both places that we've been told are pretty rad. Um, Anchorage, I don't know if we'll go that far, but we'd like to go. Um, to Homer, which I know is past Anchorage, so yeah, we'll see. Oh, cool. We'll find a boat. <laughs> well, dude, awesome stories. I'm just so glad Thanks. you stopped by. We yeah. got some stories, and um, I'll grab more of your story on the actual show. Like, I have formal questions, but this is great. Thanks oh, so much yeah. For by. Thank you. Appreciate right. it. This is awesome. Hey, so there it is. Molly Busby, two sticks and a board. Uh, what'd you th- for the record, we talked about Alaska for like another 20 minutes. I could have let it go on and on, but I think 30 minutes is a good a good stopping point for the show. Uh, what did you think about the yurt? I want to go live in a yurt for a year. It sounds really cool, especially in Montana, up near in Whitefish near Glacier, which I've spent some time doing some backcountry camping and, and hiking and stuff, which is just beautiful. Uh, her husband, going through the type 1 diabetes, is, uh, is an older, older kid, 19 years old, getting diagnosed. That's pretty tough. And he's doing some really cool things. They both are. I think it's amazing that they're they're uh, sharing their journey and, and their passion for helping other kids, especially after their their family friend Jesse passed away, which is really sad. But I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, I'm Scott Jones. You guys were inspired by Molly Busby, who's absolutely an athlete on fire. Thanks a lot.